This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to awesome people that do amazing things. And today I have Dina from... Wait, you do so many things, actually. I do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, Because um, I want to say from vitamin D, but then she also does this and then she... Yeah, I'm everywhere. So, um, well, let's start with the music part first. Yeah, sure. Okay, so how did you get into music? Uh, well, I, I technically have always been into music. Um, I grew up playing instruments since I was about four years old. Man, I'm always envious of people <laughs> that do that. Because like, I think when you learn something as a kid, you pick it up faster than yeah. if I want to go and learn. What instruments did you learn to play? Uh, that, I can, that I can play well. I tell people. There's instruments I, I can play around with, but there's instruments I tell people that I actually play. <laughs> there's a difference. Um, I play guitar. Uh, I've been playing the cello. That's, I'd probably say, my best instrument. Um, I also play the clarinet. Wait, so the cello is... What, which one? It's, uh, it's not like... It's kind of like a bigger version of a violin. Y- yes. Um, so a cello... It's it's the one where you sit down and you play it. It kind of like sits in between your legs. Oh, the big one. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's a lower registered instrument. So it's closer to a bass. Um, but it kind of looks more like a violin, I guess. Okay. Um, it's an interesting one to describe. I just kind of say it's bigger than a violin, smaller than a bass, and you play it sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing that since I was eight. And I would say that was the first instrument I really took serious, aside from vocals, but I just kind of sang for fun growing up because everyone in my family sings, um, so it just seemed like the, okay. the thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> We're just singing songs all the time. Uh, yeah, and I was in band playing clarinet, and so that were my main instruments. I also picked up drums for a second, which I was I was actually pretty decent at drums. I just didn't really do anything with it. I think I just wanted to annoy my dad or something. So I was just like, <laughs> let's get a drum set and play drums, dad. <laughs> he was like, uh, you serious? And I was super serious. And then I gave it up after a couple of years. But yeah, that's those are the ones I actually play. But I like to go on piano sometimes and make something that doesn't sound horrible, but it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> so I just kind of leave that one to the side. When did you start with the piano? Um, well, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, uh, played piano and organ. Oh. Um, so there's always one at the house. Uh, so I used to just kind of fiddle around with it. And then um, while I was learning the cello and learning about chords and things like that, um, I was trying to get an idea of what the same notes sound like on a different instrument. And so I would try and figure it out on the piano. So I have a general idea. I just don't play. I can't really play songs. Um, there's that one song by Coldplay. Sure. I can hear it in my head. Something about I don't know. It's one of those really big ones. Um Clocks. Yes. Wow, it's like you're in my frontal lobe or something. <laughs> yeah, that one. And that's the only thing I can actually play. That's not <laughs> you know, <laughs> hot <laughs> crust <laughs> buns or something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and and then which of those instruments do you still play now? I still play the cello, um, I still sing, and uh, I have a guitar, and I do play it sometimes, but I'd like to get back into lessons so I can actually get better at it, because I did take guitar for a year, and I was getting good, but then I just, I slacked off, but yeah, so 
Those are the ones I still play. Anna. Why did you stop with the guitar? Um, just because I didn't have the time to commit to it like I'd like to. I mm. think growing up and being part of many ensembles, especially with my cello, I kind of have a personal standard of what good practice time is. And if I don't have that amount of time to commit to it, I feel like I'm not doing enough, I guess. So what's good practice time? Like, I'd like to dedicate like a, a solid hour, maybe more, almost every day, if I could. But that's how often I played the cello. Like, I would, I would have rehearsal in the morning, and I'd have school, and then I'd have rehearsal in the afternoon, and then I'd go home, and then I'd do my homework. And if I just wanted to, I don't know, just chill out in my own space, I would just go play for fun. So I felt like I was always playing it. Mm. So just kind of my idea of practicing is a little bit, longer than most but yeah. some people say you only need like 30 minutes a day huh? but then i don't know i'm like sitting yeah. there and thinking 30 minutes i'm yeah. like okay yeah. let me dedicate that to my guitar but it also hurts the fingers too so you got to be mindful you get blisters and stuff but yeah no pain of... no gain <laughs> well yeah i guess i guess um and then so so like you played at true high school and then through university also the cello mm. yeah so i played when i was eight all the way through until high school and then i played throughout university i um uh, i originally auditioned to uh be in the school of music at acadia and i didn't get accepted at first which was heartbreaking i said what am i gonna do with my life i can't be a professional cellist <laughs> so this is terrible um and so I was going to take my psychology courses and then re-audition for music therapy. But I found that uh, music school in post-secondary was super competitive. And I never played to compete with other people uh. or try and show why I'm the best candidate. I just love music. And I just wanted to play and, and share that with other people. Mm. And so I decided not to go into music school because I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want it to turn into something like that. I didn't mm. want to fall out of love with music. So I decided to just yeah. keep playing whenever I felt like it and, and do my own thing here and there. So, yeah, that's why I decided not to really get a full-on music degree. Mm -hmm. I took a music minor um, for my undergrad. So that's kind of where music started for me. And then it just kind of shifted to, I guess, wanting to give artists the opportunities that they need to leverage themselves and and promote themselves and be successful in in our local um our local market our local industry so mm -hmm. that's kind of what it changed to it kind of went from me wanting to be in the industry as a service provider i guess you know a performer to mm -hmm. wanting to give those who who are like you know what this is what i want to do for the rest of my life and be like you know what here <laughs> go ahead okay so wait I, actually when you're mentioning about the music school and competition i'm like i don't know anything about music but i guess when it comes to something like that what what things do they use in rating students like is it how i guess it comes to how well you play but what will differentiate someone playing the same instrument like does it sound different or or what do they listen for um It could be style or techniques that you use. Um, it could be the, the songs you choose to play. Um, so 
in in music, at least through the conservatory of music, there's like different grade levels. Um, so the eighth grade is, I guess, the highest grade you could get. Um, and so when you play at, at those levels, there's like certain things, certain techniques, certain songs that you use. Um, so like your whole repertoire is kind of a testament to your level of playing. So if you are going in and you're saying, I'm playing this piece and they know it's a level eight piece, they're expecting you to play at a certain level um, and things like that. Also, people just have their own styles of playing and um, it kind of shows your classical training and et cetera, et cetera. Some of the music could be written in different um, clefs. So there's bass clef, treble clef, all those. Um, there's also tenor clef. So if you can read music and play on one instrument in those different clefs, that also shows um, your ability to play and your versatility in your reading and playing and stuff like that. So there's all these little factors that can come into it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, when it comes to reading music, I'm out. Like, because yeah. <laughs> it's you look at that thing and it's just weird things it's, online. It's literally a different language. Yeah, it's hard to understand. If yeah, you can't do and, it. And do you know the one that throws me off? Like, if you see an orchestra playing, everyone has that thing. Like, I guess you know, violin makes sense. Uh, like you know, trombone, whatever. But like, what is the triangle playing? <laughs> make notes with it's, it it has just one sound right yeah <laughs> yeah it's not like <laughs> triangles man shout out to all the triangle players because they have a really great role i love triangle man i used to be like i should have just played percussion i could have just stood back there and been like ding and everyone would be like that was sick yeah i was really jealous <laughs> my arm was going crazy and i'm just doing the thing and someone's back there like <laughs> Ding! I'm like, man, you just finished the whole song, top tier. But it's also a lot of pressure. Can you imagine? You're off by one beat, like the whole song is over. All that hard work, and you're like, you couldn't ding on time. Like, imagine that. Yeah, triangle players. It's yeah, a different really. Role. I'm always looking at those guys. Like, really? That's all you have to do, and you have this whole book. And then, but the, but then, um, with drums too. Like, uh, what's that? There's a big one. Yeah. And those don't have this shit music. And I'm thinking, you have to know what part of the drum to hit to get that sound. Well, so I'm I'm assuming you're talking about timpanis. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, whoever's playing timpani is probably also playing the triangle because they're not always <laughs> happening at the same time. But if they are, then you need more than one person. But there's like four, and they all get tuned to different notes. Oh. So, yeah, so... They all have a different note there. And so in the sheet music, you'll see what note it is and you'll know what drum to play. <laughs> so that's how that goes. It looks complicated, but sometimes it's really just like, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's why it's kind of like they have, I guess, more to do is they're Whoa. playing more notes. Um, whereas a triangle, it just will show up with like a little tail and it's an X and you just hit when the X pops up. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. So, you know, another thing that throws me off is when, um, like, to, to play an orchestra, you have to go and audition. <laughs> What's an audition for the triangle player? Man, I don't even know. I would imagine it's, like, xylophone 
and you go from there. Like most percussionists, they learn how to play like timpani, <laughs> bass drum, triangle, uh, <laughs> xylophone. And like if there's any other sort of like maybe it's like castanets or something like that. But I I feel like percussionists, if they're not playing a drum kit, they probably audition with playing the xylophone and then it goes from there because it's all rhythm. So they're probably like, well, if you can do that on a xylophone, I'm sure you can figure the rest out. I would hope. I don't know. Can the percussionist tell me I never played because I never auditioned for that when I picked my band instrument and I regret it. (laughs) Honestly, I saw it like if I was... I'd never play music because I'd be like an asshole. Like if I was playing something, you know, like you see all those violinists and stuff, they're like going nuts. Going nuts. And then the person at the bar just gets to take like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, man, it's like so low maintenance was so crucial. I'm yeah. like, you can't imagine a song with the, without the triangle part. You're like, man, that was fantastic. But like, how they pick it up immediately and ding. <laughs> Everything matters. I don't know, man. I wish I had that answer. Okay, okay. If okay. I could take back time, I would have totally so been really, like, you know, give me permission. Anybody that plays triangle, I'm not trying to diss you, just really. No, we love you guys. <laughs> you guys mean a lot. You're memorable, obviously. This, I play the cello, he's asking me about triangles. Like, okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm done. Oh, oh, yeah, so, so you, like, and then you study psychology in school, right? Uh, I did for a year, and it was horrible. Why? <laughs> it was, man, those are the worst grades I ever got in school. I was like, this is not it. <laughs> I am smart. <laughs> this is not it. Um, basically, I was really into like psychological disorders and all that stuff, but all the intro stuff, I was like, this is boring. so boring. Yeah. And it's, I was like, I can't suffer with this any longer. I will just Google it. <laughs> and um, also, though, with the approach to psychology, I it kind of gave me this vibe that you were kind of missing the personhood um, of your client um, and kind of treating their diagnosis and uh... kind of missing the part about, you know, you are a human and you do have a life. And how did that actually get you to the point where you're here? It just kind of looks at... You're here now, and this is your bipolar or whatever. So how do we deal with you being bipolar instead of a person experiencing bipolar disorder? I found that there was a difference in that. And so that was, I tried to get away from that because I found that that was not the approach I wanted to take um, Mm -hmm. to mental health. And so I kind of went, I don't want to say the completely opposite route. It just kind of looks different. But I went to theology. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how what, how do you choose that? That's so yeah. It was it was weird. Um I literally sat there one day and I was like, "Okay, Dina, because your grades are trash right now. <laughs> you need to figure it out cuz I was, I knew I didn't want to drop out of university. I was like, that is not it. Mm. It just what I was doing wasn't suiting me for some reason. And so I was like, what is still kind of connected to mental health that I'm interested in. I really like the school, so I don't want to leave the school. And, and you know, what do I have experience with working with? What can I see myself doing? And I'd been, I mean, I grew up in church my entire life. Mm. Um, and at that point, I was doing a lot of leadership in the youth ministry at my church. And... I was like, you know, I could see myself really investing in youth in this way. Mm. And so I decided I wanted to go into youth ministry. 
And so I switched to a theology degree. Mm. <clears throat> and that was, I liked it. Mm. You know, I was, you know, a uh, the black sheep, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm here and I'm black and everyone else around me is white. <laughs> Go figure. It's fine. Um, but it was it was cool. No, I, I liked being in seminary. I enjoyed my classmates, and the content was really, really interesting. Mm. And I really liked looking at the Bible from an academic perspective. It was it opened it, up it, a lot. Like, what would that approach be? Um, just, like, taking into account the historical context of the culture that that— the people were in during Jesus' ministry or during the Old Testament. It like it gives a better understanding of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that it actually helped me develop my own sense of theology and how I interpret the Bible. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually that degree is kind of what led me into doing social work. Yes, I'm doing another degree. <laughs> Del. Uh, so it was actually in my fourth year. Um one of my favorite classes was interpreting the Bible. Shout out to my prof. What do you do uh, yeah. in that class? Well, so we kind of take different themes in the Bible and kind of talk about different ways to interpret it, I guess. Um, and we look at interpretation from our perspective, but also how was this message communicated to those who it was directed to at that time? Um, what was going on in that time? Why was this message relevant, and how is it relevant in today's society? So, oh, wow. yeah, it was interesting, and we actually talked about a particular pack uh, package, no passage, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible. Which one? Um, so it was Micah chapter six, verse eight, and it talks about like social justice in the Bible. And at the time, there was a lot going on in the social justice movement. Black Lives Matter was really like skyrocketing. There was a lot going on, and. Um, I felt that as a person of color and seeing what was going on in society, mm. uh, it was huge. The timing was huge. I was also the equity officer uh, for my student union at the time. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> we had some interesting things going on on campus during that year that had a lot to do with, with... Yeah. Which school? Acadia University. <clears throat> so there's a lot going on there at the time that had to do with social justice and inequality. And I was like... Man, this is a lot, but I was really enjoying it. I was like, okay, how do I, you know, get involved on the ground um, with these issues? And then I was like, man, social work. I feel like that would work. Mm. Um, And so I started looking into the program and what I could do as a social worker. And so that was my next step. And so that's kind of how I I got into social work at Dow. Um, And I'm really enjoying the program and what I'm doing and stuff. Some days are more difficult than others. In what way? Um, Well, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, your positionality. So looking at where you are in the world, kind of the elements of your life and how that might put you in a place of privilege and learning and understanding that so that you can better serve marginalized people. Um, That was a really good way of putting it. I hope my professor sees this. (laughs) That was top tier. Um, And... So with that, uh, a lot of interesting feelings can come up for some people. Mm. Um, as a black person growing up in Nova Scotia, I think I've always seen inequality in different ways. I just didn't know what to call it or how to pinpoint it exactly. I just knew that it was there. Um, but for some people uh, in my program, they 
ha- they can have a hard time with really breaking that down. Um, and I think it's because even though you can be a really nice person, sometimes you have privileges or opportunities that other people have not, and it can cause you to look at things in a certain way mm. or approach situations in a certain way. <clears throat> and it's not that you're a bad person. You just haven't been told to check yourself before. Um, and so for some people, they don't know how to deal with that. And so it's been really interesting kind of seeing how people react to um, learning about their own privilege and understanding that, oh, maybe sometimes I treat people differently or I don't understand why they see things the way that they do because I haven't had those experiences. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so it's been interesting having to um, witness that and help other people unpack that and understand how to navigate maybe through the world a little bit better. And, you know, I've had classmates be like, I don't know how to approach this situation. And, and you know, if I get into that in the field, I'd rather ask you about it now than have a client and be a, a jerk. So, um, it's, yeah, it, it's cool. It's, You're it's not different, the only black but... person in your class, though. No, I'm not. Okay. Apparently, there's a lot of us um, than... You know, in previous years, there hasn't been that many. There's about seven of us in my year, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a lot, but <laughs> apparently it's a lot more than what they've had before. Uh, and okay. and it's a good uh, it's a good mixture because there's African Nova Scotian students. Um, we have African students who who have lived away and had just moved here for school and things like that. So, and we have people who've come here as immigrants and they've been living in Nova Scotia since they were at a young age. Mm. Um, so we have a lot of different perspectives this year, which I really, really appreciate. Um, and I learn from them, and they learn from me, and we all we're all learning from each other. So mm. it, it's it's a cool environment for sure. Okay, wow. So I mean, and now you did a theology thing, doing social. When are you done with the social work thing? Uh, twenty twenty one, hopefully next year. Okay. Yeah, cool. one year left. <laughs> and then how? So before I get to vitamin D. Mm-hmm. I know you did some work with the Utah Connection. Yeah. How did that come to be? Uh, so, uh, Ryan Veltmeyer is the executive director of Utah Connection. We'd actually met. He's so tall. He's so tall. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, how's life up there? You know, nice to see you from this angle. Yeah. No, he's super cool. He's like a jolly giant, super happy guy. And I'm mm. really happy to be working with him. He's just doing great stuff. Um, I actually met him. A long time ago, uh, through a good friend of ours, and this is when Youth Art Connection was just getting started, so I was like, this is exciting stuff, but then I went away to university and was like, all right, bye. <laughs> um, so I was never really involved, I just knew what they were doing, yeah. um, and when I came home, I took a year off and I was working at the casino, just to make some money and save up, mm-hmm. and not like it was not connected to any sort of passion I had in life at all, it was just like... You need money to live, and this is a great job. Yeah. Um, but I needed I needed something that I looked forward to um, to be doing because mm. it was kind of like I was going to work and I was going home, and I was like, I'm not really enjoying my life right now. So I ended up going to a concert in Toronto, and I got to see one of my favorite artists, Masego, uh, live. And I'd already been following him for a number of years, pretty much since he had before he released his first EP as a a single artist, because he's part of a group called, you know, Trap Jazz and all that stuff. So, what was the group called? 
Um, they are I, the the trap jazz, okay. trap jazz. Yeah, they have like there's all kinds of stuff on SoundCloud. Check out the SoundCloud. <laughs> um, and so I'd heard some of his stuff, and I was like, man, this guy's dope. And so over the course of almost five years, just seeing him grow as an artist and him getting all this leverage, and he was touring and stuff, and he had been all over the world, and I'm like, you're not even going to come to Canada? Like, we're right next door. Mm. This is rude. I'm offended. <laughs> and so he had released his tour dates, and I saw Toronto, and I was like, I don't know where I'm getting the money to go there, and I don't know how I'm getting there, but I'm going. And <laughs> I just found out that the job I've been working so hard to get, it was no longer available for me. And this is before I even worked at the casino. And for some reason, in my brain, I thought, hmm, you have no job. Your funds are super low. Do you really want to buy a VIP ticket to a concert in Toronto? <laughs> and the little Kermit with the hood on in yeah. my head said, yes. So <laughs> I bought it, and I ended up getting a free flight to Toronto, which is super-duper dope. Nice. And I got to see him perform live, and I was like, this is amazing. And I don't know, at some point, I just thought to myself, there's so many artists back home who are working really, really hard, and I would love to get them on stages like this, and I didn't know how to do that. Mm. And so I came home, and I hit up my buddy Ryan, and I said, is there, like, I'm trying to get into, like, festival management, stage management, something. I was like, I just want to put artists on stages, essentially. And I, I just asked him if there were any opportunities to do that. I was like, I just want to volunteer, just see if this is for me, get my foot in the door. And uh, an opportunity came up with the In the Dead of Winter Festival. Oh, yeah. And um, they had a youth showcase stage that they wanted to put on at Alter Egos. And he was like, man, like, I'm getting swamped, but we've been putting this thing together. And if you'd like to take on this project, these are all the things you need to do mm. to say yes or no. And I was like, yeah, let's let's go for it. And it turned out really, really great. And I enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, that was nice. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what did you have to do uh, for the festival? Um, so the artists were already chosen. I just had to coordinate them, coordinate with the festival manager, um, to make sure the venue was good to go, figure out sound checks, um, getting everyone's tracks, uh, making sure we had their, all of their like media stuff. So it's like bios and photos and promo material and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I did all that and then the show went on and it was jam packed in there. Uh, and it was, it was awesome. And so after that, I just kind of went back to my life at the casino, and uh, I had another friend of mine uh, hit me up, and she was at the event uh, for Dead of Winter, and she was like, oh, I'm going to be away, uh, but I have this weekly event that I do, and I don't want to cancel it. Would you like to co-host? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And so I kind of called up a couple of people I knew and did what, that what event. Was the event? Uh, it was Taco and Tunes at the local. Oh. Um, yes, I co-hosted that once. And then after that, opportunities just started coming. And Ryan had asked me if I wanted to put together another showcase for Youth Art Connection. So I did. And then after that, that's when Develop Nova Scotia uh, came to Ryan about the Salt Yard Sessions. And it all just... Snowballed from there. And yeah, that I'm was here. last summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a ton of shows. Like, it was a weekly kind of thing? Yeah, 14 weeks every Thursday. God damn. Yeah, I followed that a lot. Oh, so that was you. Yeah. 
<clears throat> what I guess what's your process when you want to like you know someone reaches out to you developing Nova Scotia wherever says oh do this show what do you do from there to the end of the show um so I like to meet with them first and kind of figure out what their vision is if they have a vision for the event do they, do people usually have visions it depends on the person okay um some people say, I just want a cocktail event. <laughs> and I go, okay. <laughs> Is there anything you want in particular? I don't know. I go, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then some people say, you know, I really want to have an event at this venue. And I want the vibe to be like this. And I'd like to have artists. And so it, it just kind of depends on the person. Mm. Uh, so sometimes I can just sit back and be like, oh easy let's just you know i gotta call a few people make sure the numbers are good and get a little bit of promo sorted and we're good and then sometimes it's like so i'm doing all of it okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like i i enjoy the process so mm. it just kind of i just kind of go with the flow but i do like to meet with people and see what the ideas that they have mm. um and i like to learn about you know because it's usually on behalf of an organization or somebody who has a brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I like to learn about like who they are, what they do and how to kind of communicate that through the event and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I try to make them personal. Yeah. Uh, so that it's, yeah, it, it depends on what people want or if they have an idea of what it is they want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I guess. So, so <laughs> say they have an idea of what they want and it, goes with your values what do you do from there um so it's usually i'm i'm kind of a go-getter so i'm like okay how can we make this happen and uh sometimes it's just a matter of first i like to pick a venue Mm. um i find that usually helps because then if you have a space you know what you want to do with the space um so we go and we figure out a venue and what do we want to happen inside the venue um and kind of go from there like I said, it's it's different for everyone uh, based on what they want. Um, I remember my first, I don't want to say my first major event because I feel like Cell Era was my first major event, but my first major just event planning um, that was kind of vitamin D entertainment on its own, not connected to anyone else. Um, that was, it was awesome. Um, they already had an idea of exactly what they wanted. It was just a matter of, how do we put this all together? And um, it was really, really cool to work with a, a group of people and help them bring their vision to life. Mm. Um, and so that was interesting. We had to coordinate a lot of things, and it came together very quickly, but it was, like, super beautiful event. We had, we had one little mishap, which was interesting. Um, what happened? <laughs> the power went out. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, right in the middle of it, there was, like, it was a clear day, like, it was fine. What the hell? Like, but, the entire, uh, was it in a building or? It was in a building um, so on Spring entire- Garden. Yeah, it was at, like, the public library. And it was just, like, everything was good and we were. <laughs> How long was it out for? Almost an hour. What? So what were you doing? Like, people just waited or? Uh, listen, like. <laughs> I'm so happy there was a bar because people just sat around 
and we're catching up with people in the dark. Emergency lights are on, and yeah. they're just like, "Yeah, so how's your day?" I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, this is a disaster," and everyone's just having a good time. I was like, "I don't understand." <laughs> oh yeah, it was wild, and it was just like half of Spring Garden just like was just dark. I was Damn like, it. "This is." not okay yeah and so we had to collect ourselves and figure it out the elevators weren't working and i'm like how are we gonna get all these people out of here and Mm. we're on the top floor it was wild but it came together and the power came back on and i was like this is wow thank you universe jesus i don't know whoever you want to thank i thanked all of them (laughs) i was like this is great and then the event was awesome yeah and um it, it's I learned a lot from that experience. Um, I think it really helped shape my approach to event management after that. So I was like, I would have never thought the power went out, <laughs> and, you know. And so, yeah, it was a wild experience. But I, I learned a lot from that. And I was really grateful for that experience because I got to work with amazing people. And uh, I'm excited because we're working together on another event coming up later on in the year. Oh, man. Um, when? Well, it got postponed. Thank you, Corona. Yeah. Uh, so we're picking a new date, but hopefully within the next couple of months or so. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, okay. I'm excited. We're going to do similar thing, but a little bit bigger. So we're just... Same venue or... No, different venue. Um, do you have a venue in mind already? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be at the World Trade oh, Center. Oh, the big one. Yeah. Yeah, the oh, big that's one. That's a whole... That's... Yeah, way... Oh, wow. Yeah, just... You you just mentioned uh, vitamin D, and I've been delaying to talk about that. How did that start, and where is it at now? Vitamin D went through some changes. Uh, vitamin D originally was supposed to be a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a YouTube channel. I'd actually filmed a few videos, and I was like, this is not working out. I was like, <laughs> everyone makes it look so easy. I was like, I can't be a content creator. I was having a crisis. Yeah. But I knew that I wanted vitamin D to be a brand of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after a little while, I was doing salt yard sessions and things like that. Um, I kind of, at some point, I don't know when exactly, but I decided that, you know, I'm pretty good at doing this stuff. And I think I want to do forever mm. um, and start my own business. And I couldn't figure out a name. And then I was... I have this little journal called Master Plan, so just like all my really cool ideas. Mm. And um, I got to my page about my vitamin D YouTube channel, and I was like, vitamin D entertainment sounds really good. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of where I, I shifted from just YouTube content to just being a brand. Did you ever put any video out? No. <laughs> no. Um, I would still like to. Okay. Um, I just don't know how I want it to look all right, anymore. All right, all right. So maybe one day. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Don't okay, wait. So don't you... wait on it. But <laughs> it might happen at some point. So you took the name and then and then what? I, I it, it sounded really nice. I was like, ah, I like that. Um, and so I just kind of went with it. Um, and then the artist management thing just kind of happened organically as well. Um, and so I, I hit up one of my lovely creative people. They live out of town. DW Creative is her Instagram. She made my logo. Um, and she made me this awesome logo. I was like, man. And she made it for the YouTube channel. Oh, and then we, yeah. we kind of switched it around a little bit. And so now it's for my entertainment management company. Mm. And, um, yeah, it just kind of happened. I was like, it just made sense. 
So I was just trying to go with the flow. And after that, all these great opportunities started coming in. And um, the news has been spreading like wildfire. It's almost overwhelming because I, I don't feel like I've done like my biggest thing yet. Yeah. Um, but people are like, oh, I heard about what you're doing with event management and you're managing artists. And I'm like... You heard? <laughs> People are talking about it, which yeah. is, like, super exciting. But it's like, oh, snap. Like, I do have a brand now. And so it kind of shifted the idea for me of what it means to have a brand. It's like as soon as you decide this this is your brand, like, that's it. There's mm. no, like, big billboard or anything. People go, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And, and no, it's like as soon as you decide, like, you represent your brand. And that's just how it is. And so... um that really changed a lot for me, and I started to take it. I don't want to say I wasn't taking it seriously, but I I realized like the weight of really having a brand attached to you, mm. and you know, learning and understanding that how you move throughout the world is a representation of of your brand, and so whoever you work with also represents your brand um, because they're also going to say if you say that you work with Vitamin D Entertainment, um, there should be a level of understanding of who who we are or mm -hmm. who I am or whatever. Yeah. So um, I kind of have a, a standard set for VDE. So I guess you could say. So it's 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 interesting. I'm still trying to, like, learn and walk in that. So I'm like, oh, like, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I own a business. And I represent that every day. So it's like, how do you how do you do that but not, like, change who you are in a sense? It's, it's been an interesting journey. And then this journey includes you managing artists. And mm -hmm. You manage two artists now? Yeah. How did you pick these artists? <laughs> I feel like they picked me before I picked them, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, uh, these two artists in particular, I've known them for quite some time. Mm. I was actually, I guess, one of their youth leaders back in my ministry days when mm -hmm. I was going to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, and... I just knew that they were very, very gifted, and I took the time to get to know them more as as people. Mm -hmm. And when I we used to joke around a lot <laughs> about um, me managing them and stuff like that. And then one day I really sat down and thought about it. I was like, I don't know, kind of <laughs> like the idea. And then I I had to think again about you know what do I want my brand to to represent and do they represent that and after getting to know them a lot more and on a deeper level and spending time and seeing how they'd worked already independently as artists, um, I felt that it was the right time to actually invest um, in artists and invest in them specifically. So that was kind of how that started. Um, and things have just been, they've been slow and steady. Um, They've been patient with me. I've been patient with them. And uh, we're just we're just trying to figure it out. Um, they're both in university. I'm in university. And so understanding that we might want things to happen quickly because people try to make it seem like things happen quickly in the music industry, and they don't. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so learning to be patient with the process and, and putting in that works that you make quality content mm. is is really important to me and so um yeah, yeah. one thing i noticed is that it's kind of well maybe for some <laughs> people it's easy for them to understand but for some people it's difficult to understand that 
you kind of have to wait, but you don't have to just wait. You have to actually do something while yeah. waiting. You know, you have to like either work on songs or, you know, work on a video or do photos. But basically, while you're waiting for like a release or actually create an album or EP or whatever, you actually have to do something. You don't just sit and wait. Right. So one of my mentors had actually said to me, you know, you're going to invest more before you actually make something from what you invested in. Mm. And I think about that all the time because if you if you really invest in something, it's it's you're going to get rewarded for it True. and it's going to come back to you, but it's just you have to take the time to make something with good quality. Mm. Um if you think about brands and things like that, they might cost a lot, but it's a great brand, it's great quality, and people are going to invest in it, and that brand is going to make a lot because they <clears throat> took the initial investment in their in their brand and stuff. And so that's kind of the approach, um, and just working hard for whatever that thing is. Um, and and so, yeah, just really understanding that, you know, it it's not easy, and there might be times where you feel like, you know what, maybe not. Let me just get a regular, regular <laughs> nine to five <laughs> Go and forget to all of this stuff. <laughs> but it's like, you know, if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're creating and what you're doing yeah. and you know it's worth it in the end, then you just have to you just have to work through it. And then when it when it comes back to you, it's going to come back to you um, in abundance. And you just really have to believe in, in your craft and what you're doing. Mm. Um, and I think that goes for any thing if you're a creative person or not um it's really understanding that you have the tools and the skills and even if you don't and you want those tools and skills you can mm. find ways to obtain them and you know work on that and build something for yourself awesome man okay i i have so many questions but i'm gonna just cut it shut and end it with this question now um we have all these you know restrictions from events and stuff but when hopefully everything comes back to normal, what are some of the plans you have in place? Um, so, um, I want to have an official launching event for my company. Oh wow! Um, wow! Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. really be like, you know what? We're here and we're doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of that's my big plan. Hopefully for the summer, but as you can see, things have been pushed back, so I haven't mm. really done much official planning because i don't know where things are going to be and i don't want to i'm aiming to have more than 150 people involved yeah so i'm just like you know what i'm gonna just wait i'm gonna just hold off um but that's i would say one of my like bigger plans for myself personally in mm -hmm. the summer um aside from that also helping my two artists get their projects together to hopefully release um by the summer some big things coming up so those are my things that I'm really working on. Um, I just really want to get my name out there and uh, collaborate. I've been doing a lot of collaborations this year, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, so just building my network and building community and starting to have events with just Vitamin D Entertainment on it um, to kind of really establish this, like, a cycle and kind of get things going. That just have my label on them. Um, so I kind of have things I'm owning myself in yeah. and doing myself. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's pretty much what it is, just really getting a, a good um, idea of brand identity and establishing that with the outside community and not just the people who've been there since I've 
decided, hey, I'm going to start a business. This. Oh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. said that was the last question, but I got to ask, what the name of the artist and what's your um, handle, social and uh, Instagram handle? Uh, so my artists are Lyris Day and Ariana Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for Vitamin D Entertainment, the handle is just vitamin D-E-E dot E-N-T on Instagram and Facebook. We don't have a Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about Twitter. I'm, I've been debating. I'm like, is that even worth it right yeah. now? Twitter's yeah. a whole different realm. Yeah, I know. And I just don't see where yeah. I fit in there yet. I agree. So I'm just like, I'm just going to hold off. <laughs> Twitter, like, it's so easy to get attention on Twitter that I don't really feel like I need to get on that right away. But for those two other platforms, I really wanted to be like, okay, this is it. Because I wanted to have the branding be consistent. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Awesome. No, so Dina, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for and thank you me. for giving me that laugh with the triangle, people. I need it. Oh, <laughs> man. We love the triangle. We're here for it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is the Blackout Podcast. listening.